I want to begin by reading to you just two passages that we're going to look at a little bit today. We're going to go back to these two uh, parts of the Bible, and we're just going to talk a little bit about what they say to us today. The first passage comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3 and verse 9. And Peter said this, and he's summarising his teaching in this letter. And he says this, summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate and be humble. And just so we all get it, he says, that goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. And then in James chapter 1, James, the brother of Jesus, a leader in the church in Jerusalem, uh, wrote this, these words to followers of Jesus. And many of us have heard these words before. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Michael Frost is a pastor, he's a theologian, he teaches at the Baptist Theological College in Sydney. He wrote a book called Surprise the World and he states that when the Christian church first was starting out, while evangelists and apologists like Peter and Paul were proclaiming the gospel, the good news about Jesus and defending this new faith, hundreds and then thousands of ordinary followers of Jesus were going about living questionable lives. And he uses the word questionable in the best possible sense. These early followers of Jesus were living in such a way that it invoked curiosity about the message of Christianity. Frost said that when people around them saw them living out their everyday walk around lives, it caused them to question why these people were doing what they were doing, why they were feeding the poor, caring for the sick, going out of their way for others. He goes on to talk, Frost goes on to talk about how these everyday followers of Jesus continued to live out their faith down through those early centuries and the impact of how they lived was noticed. Michael Frost shares how in the fourth century, there was a Roman emperor, Julian. He ruled from AD 331 to AD 363. And Emperor Julian feared that the followers of Jesus might take over the empire. 
because so many of his subjects were not only noticing the way these followers of Jesus were living, not only were they asking questions regarding their faith, but many of his subjects were actually deciding that they would also become followers of Jesus. People around them noticed the way they lived. And not only were they impressed, it raised questions. It led to conversations. It made them rethink their ideas and for some it caused them to make decisions. Emperor Julian actually sent out a decree to his officials and to all the priests of the official Roman religions to basically go out and outlove the Christians. He actually sent out a decree that the priests of the official Roman religions should get out there and outlove the Christians in an effort to counter their growing effect and influence. In the edict, he refers to Christians as Galileans and Christianity he refers to as atheism. This is part of his edict. These are the words that are recorded for us in history. He says this, we must pay special attention to this point and by, by these means effect a cure. For when it came that the poor were neglected and overlooked by our priests, then I think that these Galileans observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. I missed that. And they have gained ascendancy in the worst of their deeds through the credit they win for such practices. For just as those who entice children with cake and by throwing it to them two or three times, induce them to follow them. And then when they are far away from their friends, cast them on board a ship and sell them as slaves. By the same method, I say the Galileans also begin with their so-called love feasts or hospitality or service of tables. And the result is that they have led many to atheism. This is coming from a Roman emperor. And then he goes on and says this, why do we not observe that it is in their benevolence to strangers? He's saying, why don't we get it? That it's in their benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead and their pretended holiness of their lives that they have done most to increase atheism. He's talking about Christianity. I believe we ought really and truly to practice every one of these virtues. For it is disgraceful that when we, when these Galileans support not only their own poor, but also ours as well, all men see that our people lack aid from us. There is no question that the, was the living out of the message about Jesus, the acting on what they were hearing by hundreds and then thousands of ordinary everyday followers of Jesus that laid the platform and provided opportunities for those who had followed in the footsteps of Peter and Paul, the preachers and the teachers of the fourth century, to share clearly the wonderful news of Jesus of Nazareth. It was the actions of the ordinary everyday followers of Jesus that made possible for the teachers and preachers to share the message. It was the humble, consistent, real care that was being expressed by those followers and felt by so many in that community that gave the message of Jesus a chance to be heard. 
I didn't say shared. It gave the message of Jesus a chance to be heard. A message can be shared. That doesn't necessarily mean it will be heard. The message about Jesus was being heard by people of all backgrounds because they had first encountered followers who lived out what they claimed they believed. They heard the message because they first encountered people who were living it out. We in the Christian church have what I believe is an incredible message of a God who loves us unconditionally, whose desire for us is always for our best, a God who would rather die than live without us, a God who so loved us that he gave his one and only son. And whoever is willing to put their trust in this one and only son will not be separated from God, but will have life eternal. This message, this good news is being shared through lots and lots of different means. What I'm not so sure about is whether it's always heard. I think the message is going out. I'm not so sure that it's being heard. So let's for a few minutes consider carefully the teaching Peter gave in the letter entitled 1 Peter. Teaching that I believe Peter expected would be worked out and worked through in the lives who said, of those who said that they were followers of Jesus. Let's read again 1 Peter 3.9. Summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you, no exceptions. I remember one of the little light bulb moments for me a number of years ago was when I actually got hold of the fact that it not only matters what I do, but it matters how I do it. It really matters how I go about things. It matters my approach. It matters my attitude. And it really, really matters whether I'm agreeable. It really does. What I do is important, but how I go about doing those things really matters. And Peter says this, no retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Peter is crystal clear that this is all for all of us, all of his readers, all of those who claim to follow this Jesus as Lord. We are to develop these virtues in our relationships with others. We are to bless. Our job is to bless. So what does that mean? What's it look like? And more importantly, what are we going to do about it? Michael Frost states this. He said that I heard that the etymology, the study of the origin of words and the way in which their meanings have changed through history, the origin of the words to bless is to add strength to another's arm. The original meaning when it was used was to add strength to another's arm. In this respect, to bless is to build them up. To bless is to fill them with encouragement. To bless is for them to increase in strength and prosperity. What does it mean to add strength to another's arm? Anything that relieves their burden in life. Anything that helps them breathe more easily. Anything that might alleviate their distress. It can be a small thing or a large thing. 
Frost suggests three ways of blessing others. Firstly, he says we can bless others with words of affirmation. Gary Chapman includes words of affirmation as one of his five love languages. He describes them as verbal support to communicate love. But he goes further. He identifies the importance of empathy and blessing others with words of affirmation. Encouragement requires empathy and seeing the world from the perspective of another and allowing ourselves to feel what they might be feeling and then communicate what we need to say to them. We must learn what's important to the other. Only then can we give real encouragement. With verbal encouragement, we are trying to communicate. I know, I care, I am with you. How can I help? With our words carefully chosen, deliberate and focused, we can bless others. We can add strength to their arm. Our job is to bless. A second way to bless is through acts of kindness. Just do something good for someone else. Show up and do with your hands what you believe in your heart. Show up and do with your hands what you believe in your heart. The practical is powerful. When we do something, it says we care, that we love, that we value that person. And it says a lot about the person we follow if we do it in his name. Be practical. Look for opportunities to do little things. Take the bins out for an elderly neighbour or take them back in at the end of the day. Look for opportunities to do little acts of service. Frost goes on to say that the third way to bless is through gift giving. A gift can show the person that we value them, that we've noticed them, and maybe we've noticed some of the things that they might be having to deal with right now, and we just want to encourage them. The gift does not have to be extravagant. It does not have to be a big deal in order to impact for good. There's a church in Sydney that have actually taken these words to heart and decided that more than just listening to them, they were going to do something. And so this church in Sydney have decided as a challenge for the church that every week, as committed followers of Jesus, they are going to seek to bless three people. Every week, they're going to seek as followers of Jesus to bless three people. One from within the fellowship. One who is outside of the church, who is not a believer, and the third one from either category. And they have decided that as individuals and sometimes in small groups, if they need some help being accountable, they will work at taking seriously these words that their job is to bless. I wonder what it would look like if just this week we did that. I wonder what it would look like if just this week we all aimed up to bless two other people. One person from within this faith community and then probably the tougher challenge, one person who is not part of this faith community. I wonder how it would play out if roughly four to five hundred of us, those that are here in the building and those online, didn't try to think our way out of this. Can I say that again? I wonder what it would look like if four or five hundred of us 
chose not to think our way out of this, but decided that we would, this week, simply and humbly say to God, I want to be a doer of the word this week. So please help me know who you want me to bless and then prompt me till I do it. Think about the number of people who might be built up or filled with encouragement or increased with strength and prosperity. I want to say to you that the challenge around looking to bless someone from outside of our church community will probably be potentially a greater challenge. So pray. Pray that you will, that God might bring to your mind, that you might notice somebody that you can bless this week. Ask God to nudge you, to remind you. Trust that God actually wants you to bless somebody who's not part of this faith community. I watched uh, one of the Menlo Church series just recently, um, and they interviewed this uh, lady who lives in a retirement village uh, in the States. Menlo is a fairly large church in America. And uh, this lady had been on the elders board twice. She had served in all sorts of ministries, but in her latter years finds herself now in this retirement village. And she talked about the fact that when COVID hit and her retirement village got shut down, what she found that she was cut off from all sorts of ministry opportunities that she used to be part of. And she said it wasn't long before she started to feel a little bit isolated. She felt lonely, a little bit frustrated. And she said that she even felt a little forgotten. And then the thought dawned on her that if she was feeling this, probably others were too. And so she got herself up, walked outside her door, cut some of the roses from her rose garden. She loves to garden. She bundled them up, wrote a lovely note, and then walked down the street of her retirement village to the, uh, a neighbour's house and left the roses and note on the doorstep. And then she turned around and she realised that wasn't so hard. So it happened a second time to another person, a third time to another person. And then she said she ran out of roses. So she started to bake brownies. And she started to just take them to people. And she heard about people who'd lost their partners. And so she baked and took um, brownies to these people who'd lost their partners. And she said, in this deal, what she's found is that she's had the opportunity to hear people's stories, to pray with people, to care for them. In this experience, she sensed God at work in her life. As I wrap up this morning, can I carefully add these comments? And I want to say them carefully. I think that sometimes in the church, we like to complicate things. We like to spiritualize things so much that we just go round and round and round and never do. And it is important that we seek to obey. We seek to obey. And if our job is to bless, then we should be blessing. I want to say that it's important that we bless others, not so that we'll get something from the doing. Our sole purpose in blessing is to bless another. We don't do this for our sake or to fulfil an agenda. We bless others to bless them, full stop. 
summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing and you'll get a blessing. It is obvious from the writings of the 4th century Roman Emperor Julian that the followers of Christ had impacted their society. And it would seem that it was as a result of humble acts of service by everyday ordinary followers of Jesus. Their obedience meant that when the message about the Saviour was shared, people heard and God worked. One of the passages in the Bible that continues to challenge me deeply is found in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah was a prophet and he was tasked with talking to God's people. And he says in Jeremiah 29, go and seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. The teaching around that is that we are to seek the good of the city that we are planted in. We are to be salt and light and an influence for good. We are to be on more, about more than just those within. Our focus should always be on working for the good of the community. And so the challenge I would like to leave you this morning is this. Pray. Pray that God will give you two people to bless this week. That you can actually go out and bless one person from within this faith community and one person who's not part of this faith community. Ask God to prompt you and remind you, nudge you and lead you. And let's just do. I'm going to pray for you now. I'm going to actually pray for me as well that I might do this. And I will pray that this week there will be opportunities for you to bless someone from within and someone from without. Would you please pray with me? Lord, I just want to start by admitting that there's lots of times when I hear and I don't do. I find all sorts of ways to dodge what I should do. I want to admit, Lord, that there are times where I would rather sit and listen, discuss and debate, rather than actually be in your hands and feet in this community and out there. So, Lord, I want to start by praying for myself and for every person who's in the building and online that this week you will help us to seek to bless others, to take our eyes off ourselves, to do this for you and to trust that you will use it for your glory. So help us to think about someone we can bless from within this faith community. Help us to think and to become aware of someone who's not part of this faith community that we can somehow um, say words of affirmation to or do an act of service to or give a gift to 
as a way of blessing them. Help us, Lord, to appreciate your love, your mercy and your care. And I pray this week that all of us would be doers of the word, not just hearers. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.